This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use and provides general information only and does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs. BT Investment Talk by BT Investment Solutions is a monthly podcast produced exclusively for Australian financial advisors. Our investment experts, together with some of the world's leading fund managers, will provide thought leadership on a wide range of investment topics. Investment Talk is all about looking beyond the numbers, helping advisors cut through the noise, enabling them to have meaningful investment and portfolio construction conversations with their clients. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next instalment of BT Invest Talk. I'm Paul Trainer, one of the senior investment specialists for BT Investment Solutions. That means I'm one of the team members that support the wide range of products that we offer, and these are both active and passive solutions, and they stretch across both funds as well as the growing SMA segment of the market. Now, as we do with InvestTalk, we dig deeper into our investment philosophy, our approach, and how we put portfolios together. So with that in mind, and given the recent machinations we've seen across the ESG space, you know, some being political, um, and I'm not just talking about the recent federal election, there's certainly been, you know, a number of changes in approach at a global level, um, particularly in Europe. Uh, you know, we're also seeing, you know, some prominent developments across the energy sector. Um, so with that in mind, we, we've um, thought today it'd be timely to have a chat with our Head of Sustainability and ESG, and that is Jesse Pettigrew. So welcome, Jesse. Hi, Paul. Lovely to be with you. Now, before we start, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about Jesse Pettigrew. What drew you to sustainable investing and I suppose the importance and, and influence of the role that you play within the BTIS investment team? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been in and around wealth uh, management and financial services for just under 10 years um, and working in, in sustainability and sustainable investment for that time. Um, my role is really um, you know, in the context of the investment team, my role is really working um, with the team on how we best integrate and consider um, what we call material ESG factors. So those kind of non-financial factors that sit across the environment, um, social and governance categories um, that might be material to an investment decision from a, from a kind of financial point of view or an investment outcomes point of view. Um, the most obvious of those is, is climate change. So, um, you know, what, how do we consider climate risks in the investment process? Um, how do we um, talk to our managers about what climate opportunities might be present in their strategy or, or their asset class? Um, but there are a vast range of other um, ESG considerations that we look at. So things like um, labour rights, diversity, um, uh, you know, environmental approvals, biodiversity, um, governance issues like remuneration, um, you know, board skills um, and board diversity. So it's it's really quite a broad area. Um, it's not it's not all environment. It's not all climate. Um, and it's really not necessarily about making or not, not ever really about making a values-based decision. It's really about how we ensure that information is captured and appropriately used um, when we're investing on behalf of our, our members and investors. So thanks, Jesse, and thanks for those insights. It's always great to hear you, you know, from our team members and, you know, what drives them, you know, their passion. So, so that's great. And I suppose... Um, you know, a good starting point for us today is, you know, we're recording this podcast about six weeks past the federal election and, you know, it's, it was an election um, 
a little bit, I suppose, unusual in a way that the various components of ESG and, you know, not just environmental, social and governance all got sort of drawn out um, in, you know, many electorates um, as, as certainly issues. So, you know, that might be a, a good starting point for, for this conversation is that, you know, in your view, what were the, you know, the key themes from the election and perhaps maybe touch on the timing of activity um, from this point forward uh, in the new parliament? Yeah, thanks. Look, I think the election um, was really interesting for, from my perspective for a huge amount of reasons, but um, one of the things that stood out for me was that a lot of the topics and, and areas that responsible investment professionals like myself and, you know, the, the kind of broader sustainability industry has been talking about um, for some time really came to play out through the election. And they're really areas that, um, a couple of areas that we're really think, seeing or expecting to see some, some considerable change in action in them. Um, I think, you know, as I said earlier, climate is obviously always front of mind whenever you talk about, about ESG and sustainability, um, you know, and, and right off the bat, Australia's already increased its, um, 2030 target to, to a 43% emissions reduction from 2005 baseline levels, which is a significant jump um, from where we were um, under the previous government. Um, the impact of that from an investment point of view is that we would really now expect to see companies um, and policies that um, are really going to support action that will drive um, emissions reductions probably more so or, you know, at a, at a greater pace than what we would have seen under the, the previous target. Um, and this is, you know, really going to support um, greater investment um, and, and, you know, the continued investment at the same levels we've been seeing in, in think, both things like, you know, renewable energy um, and, you know, other, other kind of clean technologies, but also new and emerging technologies and, and opportunities um, in this space. And I think also just a um, more cohesive, um, long-term kind of policy framework around climate change is always going to provide you know, better conditions for investment um, in Australia. It's, it's definitely a key risk that we're always looking at. Um, the other kind of related area that I think you know, investment, the investment industry has been focused on um, recently and, and definitely has kind of come up through the election was biodiversity. So, you know, obviously natural disasters, which, you know, as you said, Paul, it's about six weeks post the election and we are experiencing another um, horrendous bout of flooding up the, the East Coast and, and obviously natural disasters, when they happen, the people aspect of them is, is the first thought and, and rightly so the, the main thought. But um, we also often see significant loss of flora and fauna and that, um, you know, has definitely been front of mind for Australians since the bushfires really um, in 2019 and, and it continues to be an ongoing impact of natural disasters. The reason that we, you know, that, that investors are interested in biodiversity and, and really focus on the, the preservation of our ecosystem services is that it really is critical for um, a lot of the activities and, um, you know, just supporting of life on the planet. Um, you know, a strong ecosystem is really um, a huge part of that. Um, there's a lot of tie-in with climate change, obviously, um, but there are a bunch of other reasons that we need to look after natural resources like water, um, like a diverse flora and fauna, um, you know, clean air. So it's it's definitely an area that we think we'll expect to see a bit more focus on, um, definitely coming more into um, the investment um, process and, and, and into, you know, the discussions that we're having is really how companies can better support and ensure that they're doing as much as they can to minimise the, the degradation of biodiversity. 
And the other area, obviously, or another area, obviously, was diversity, inclusion and equality. I think this was um, probably something that we've seen post-election and announced post-election as as having one of the greatest impacts on the election outcome. Um, Definitely the gender element. Um, And, you know, I think both the the kind of... um, the, the message that we heard from the electorate, but also, you know, just the, the greater diversity that we're now seeing in the federal parliament um, will bring and has already brought greater focus on these issues. Um, everything from, you know, uh, ongoing focus in gender pay gaps, but also um, working conditions that can support women. Um, and the reason that investors are interested in this, the reason that this is something that we talk about is that there are really clear linkages between diversity um, and equality in a company and, and that company's performance. It's definitely something that investors um, are keen to see companies focus on and are keen to see greater um, awareness of. Um, and then kind of adjacent to that, but definitely a separate topic in its own right, is the issue of First Nations rights. Um, we've already seen support for the Uluru Statement of the Heart coming from the, the new government. Um, and we're also expecting to see a continuation of the focus that really um, has kicked off in the past few years from companies around how they better support um, and improve the discussion around in- inclusion, um, you know, compensation and involvement of First Nations people when um, we're operating o- on their country and on their traditional lands. Um, it definitely, you know, work has been done um, by the mining sector and in the mining sector um, to this, you know, to this end and, and on this topic. And, and there's a long, long way to go. But I think also there are other industries and other, and other um, companies that definitely need to and, and will continue to, to be focusing on this. Um, so I think look, they're the kind of four main areas I think that we that we've seen, and um, I, as I said, it's really um, for me really interesting to see how some of these areas that we've been focusing on and looking at and doing some work in have really played out in that that um, election discussion, and will continue to play out as we see this new government um, start to enact some of the policy promises they've made. Thanks, Jesse, for that that uh, that answer around ESG and the and the new government. Um, they. Uh, that element of certainty, I suppose, will will help corporates going forward to, to plan plan well into the future. So, so that's very good. Um, probably the, the next question, and one we often hear from advisors, is just around greenwashing and um, uh, particularly around ESG investments. Um, you know, it's certainly uh, a topic that's been discussed. You know, in more recent uh, recent times. So. Do you mind outlining your thoughts and, and how you might be able to help advisors consider ESG and, and, and greenwashing and how that might tie together? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, look, greenwashing is particularly um, a focus in um, Australia at the moment with the release of APRA's um, guidance note on, on how to avoid greenwashing and their companion um, guidance to retail investors about you know, greenwashing and selecting investments that um, focus on or prioritise sustainability factors. Um, greenwashing is a really, I think, interesting area, um, particularly for somebody like myself who's been in the industry for a while. Um, one of the biggest um, uphill battles that that um, sustainability and sustainable investment has always faced is how we can distill and um, and um, provide clarity around some of the, the complex and often very technical areas that we look at um, into um, pieces that are not necessarily easily as easily digestible by retail investors because I think that's not giving them enough credit, but, you know, that can be communicated in, in a manner that um, investors can, can take in alongside all the other pieces of information that, that they need to consider as well. And I think that that's especially true for advisors. You know, advisors are facing so many 
um, changes to regulation and so many other factors that they need to consider, um, you know, assuming that they're going to be able to understand complex um, and very long and technical um, sustainable investment processes is really um, probably not very fair. Um, so I think it's an area that the industry has wanted to improve and wanted some certainty around for some time. And, and in that context, I think we're all quite um, excited to some extent to see ASIC um, providing some guidance in that space. I think the thing that I have taken away from the guidance note and also from the kind of broader discussion, both domestically, and we've seen some pretty significant um, actions happening um, internationally around this space, is that um, what's really critical for, you know, from my perspective, from us as investment managers, is that we are really clear about why and um, what we're considering when we're talking about ESG. You know, from our perspective, it is absolutely about, um, you know, primarily and first and foremost, it's about financial materiality. So what is material to an investment decision? What's financially material to um, companies' financial performance and, and how that would perform in an investment process? Um, and that can be both a risk and that can be, you know, and an opportunity, but that is our, our, you know, our primary focus when we're talking about ESG. We're not necessarily seeking to make values-based decisions. Um, and, you know, there are definitely crossovers there. And, and you know, as, I, as I always say, ESG is, is it's not black and white. Or it's not white and green. It's uh, you know, brown and green. It's very, um, it's very gray. Um, but um, I think, you know, from, from my point of view, investment managers being really clear about, as I said, what they're trying to achieve. And then, you know, from the perspective of somebody looking for a sustainability product or looking at a product that talks about sustainability, um, making sure that you understand that, making sure that you understand what the investment manager is trying to achieve when they talk about sustainability, I think is critical. There are a bunch of reasons um, that um, sustainability might be might be considered in an investment process. There are a bunch of different ways that you can use the, that data that is provided by companies or aggregated by a, an ESG data provider. Um, if you've got a client who really, you know, wants to have a, a portfolio that is full of um, you know, sustainable companies, companies that have high ESG ratings, and that's absolutely perfectly fine. You need to make sure that that is um, what the investment manager is seeking to do when they're um, when they're you know allocating money and when they're picking um, stocks, assets, companies. Um, versus, you might have a you know have a, a client who really just wants to make sure that ESG is considered and that the risk of um, you know non-compliance with environmental regulation or um, modern slavery are addressed in their portfolio. And that's a slightly different approach and, and slightly different um, way of addressing it. So um, all that is to say that I think what we will expect to see is um, greater clarity, um, at least domestically over the next 12 to 18 months from investment managers and, and from product providers about what they're seeking to do when they're talking about ESG. And I really um, also think that will tie in with financial advisors having more information available, but also um, being able to um, understand what investment managers are trying to say, um, and, and having um, you know, don't don't be scared about interrogating us. Don't be don't be scared about asking us questions. Nothing is better than when um, you know I get a question from somebody about a specific you know factor in our approach because it, it really um, helps me understand what questions advisors are facing, and also um, you know helps me um, understand you know what what other pressures and what other things that that people are considering when they're when they're choosing our funds. Thanks, Jesse, and and. You know, it's a really good point. And, and for advisors on the line, you know, if you do have questions for Jesse, just come back through your, you know, local investment specialist. Um, you know, we're all too uh, happy to pass them on to, to Jesse and get, get some, uh, uh, you know, detailed response back to, to help you. As I noted earlier, you know, energy 
is a growing, and I'll put in inverted commas, um, a growing issue, but it's certainly gaining an enormous amount of prominence um, in recent months. But what is BT Investment Solutions' broader thoughts around the energy sector and how that should be viewed in the, you know, in the terms of sustainability? Yeah, sure. Look, Paul's definitely a question I think um, that I'm getting a lot recently. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of core of that question is, given the spike that we're seeing in energy prices, given the rally we're seeing in the energy sector, does that invalidate um, ESG and, and sustainable investing as a concept? And look, my unsurprisingly to those on the line <laughs> who've had my title and my job, my kind of firm answer to that is absolutely not. Um, but what it does do is really provide us a, an opportunity, again, as I said before, to really clear about what we mean when we talk about sustainable investments and, and you know, what that role sustainable invest, sustainability plays in, in the investment process. Um, Look, I think kind of for me, a couple of headline numbers that have come out recently um, that I think are really interesting um, in this whole kind of debate and discussion is that, you know, renewable energy is now making up about 13% of the global energy mix, which is um, quite sizable given how quickly it's grown, but still, you know, absolutely speaks to the fact that we are very reliant on today on fossil fuel-based energy sources. Um, you know, we have seen a significant growth in natural gas and we've seen some very small amount of growth in um in coal, but you know, as we use more energy, um, we are we are still you know using a lot of, of fossil fuels um, when we're we're generating that. Um, that's not to say that the the transition is dead, and that's not to say that it's not going to happen. That's just to say that um, you know t- today, as we speak about it, um, there is a place for both renewable energies and fossil fossil fuel energies in our in our energy mix. Um, where we are heading under the Paris Agreement and under the you know weight of net zero commitments that that we're seeing um, across corporate corporates and across the financial sector globally is towards net zero by 2050. And now, what does that mean? That means that we are absolutely going to see periods like we're seeing at the moment, where where we're using more uh, energy and we're seeing increases in energy prices. And there are you know a thousand and one drivers for that that I'm sure um, the the equities team or the the um, the energy analysts would be more than happy to talk to you about in detail. Um, but it also um, shows us that the, the focus that we really need to, to continue to have in this space and, and particularly with energy companies, but also with companies that use a lot of energy or, you know, um, companies with high carbon emissions for other reasons is how are they going to make that transition over the next, um, you know, just under 30 years? What are the um, systems and processes? What are the investments we need to make? What are the technologies that we need to explore um, to ensure that we can make that transition and we can t- continue to build that renewable energy portion of the global energy mix. Um, it's, as I said, you know, a lot of the time when we're focusing on energy, we've focused on the opportunities, we've focused on renewable um, energy and, and the growth in renew- renewable energy. Um, but there is, you know, t- you know, there's time to focus on risk and, and focus on the transition. Um, you know, we cannot just, ha- this cannot just happen overnight. Um, it will take time and, and we're seeing that play out. Um, the other thing I would say um, that I think has become really clear, um, you know, from this discussion is that, um, you know, if you speak to anybody who, who has my job or has a job similar to mine, they'll tell you that um, responsible investment is, a, is part of a long-term investment approach. Um, and that's not a get-out-of-jail-free card at all for, for ESG. What that is to say is that, you know, over the short term, we do see cyclical changes across many industries. Um, we see a bunch of other factors come into play. But over the long term, what we're seeking to do when we're, when we're talking about ESG is ensure that we're considering um, the non-financial factors that 
may materially affect, affect investment performance over, you know, a five or 10 year horizon. Um, and also that we're seeking to influence how or, and, and encourage companies to consider those factors and to operate in a way that allows them to continue to make sustainable um, financial returns and continue to be good um, investments over that, that longer term timeframe. So, um, you know, I think to some extent, um, there are a bunch of different timeframes and a bunch of different ways that um, people across an investment team and investment team like ours will, will cut data and look at um, performance. But um, from my point of view, we, we maintain that, you know, our portfolios are long-term portfolios and, and ESG really um, is critically important in, in that context. Thanks, Jesse. And, and no, that's very important um, thing through that is, you know, the, the, the transition to, you know the the future state, and uh, you know it's something sort of gets maybe missed in the noise of of day to day news. That uh, you know it is a longer term process that we're working through, and uh, you know ultimately, you know, and this is the way we invest is to you know deliver in that framework, and we, we will, you know will deliver um, you know the the requisite returns for advisors and their clients. So thank you very much for the, for that piece. To paraphrase a famous shampoo commercial, Paul, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> Very good. Not that I need much shampoo, but there you go. Um, <laughs> thanks again, Jesse. That was great. Really good detailed conversation around ESG and sustainability. Thanks, Paul. It's always great um, to be able to share some of my insights and, and areas that we've been talking about with, with the advisors who are interested in our product. Um, to that end, if, if anybody listening um, is interested in anything we spoke about today, um, my team has been publishing um, quite a quite a number of articles and, and different pieces of content, and they're available on the website. Um, so I'm sure Paul can, can can tell you where to find them as well. And um, I will jump in there and, and just say for advisors, um, you know, there's more details on the BT Investment Solutions website, which is bt.com.au/slash/btis. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, supporting material for advisors. Um, as Jesse alluded to, around ESG um, and, you know, a number of our podcasts that, um, where we meet some of our underlying managers as well as our investment team members. It also has our performance reports and contact details for our investment specialist team. You know, once again, um, thanks to Jesse. Uh, you've been great. And uh, thanks to everyone for, for um, listening in.